0: You're listening to A Journey in American English. Hello everyone and welcome back. Mario, Zelda, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Sonic the Hedgehog, etc. What do all these things have in common? Well, they're all video games. And that is the topic of today's episode. In today's episode, we want to talk about video games in general and also focus on the politics and violence in and associated with video games. With that being said, please enjoy and let's begin. Hello.
1: Hello. How's everyone doing this week? I hope very well you can't answer me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm doing fine. (laughs) The weather's gotten a lot better here, so I can't complain. Um, same it's,
1: it's finally consistently sunny here it's not having like three days of nice weather and then dipping back into freezing well this is the hottest day i've had in like
0: three weeks i want to say so it's been and now, was that cold. a good thing for you no nah. see i'm i'm someone who really likes spring because spring is right in the middle so it's not too hot and not too cold kind of like goldilocks you know <laughs> but it just rained throughout spring basically So it was just Um, rainy, 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 rainy.
1: So I know how you feel. Uh, Part of the problem living where I do in Montana, the way it works is come, let's say, starting as early as November. Mm -hmm. um, It's not winter yet, but it's basically the winter season. It will be snowy, gray, windy, and miserable. And with some snow, my area doesn't actually get a lot of snow, though we usually get some pretty strong bursts that will stay around for months. On the ground. And then it will be miserable like that until about April. And then for like a month, it will be on and off, miserable, nice, miserable, nice, miserable, nice. And then once we get into June, it'll be like, all right, it will be 85 to 100 every day until, you know, late August, early September. And then Mm. we'll have a very short fall (laughs) and then back into the misery.
0: Yeah, we don't. So there was a snowstorm about four months ago, five months ago. And that was like the most snow they've had in Germany, probably in like, I want to say eight years, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a whole bunch of snow. So anyone who's ever lived in Colorado or that part of the area around the Rockies will know that that's not like, cause I used to live there, which is why I'm saying that it was, it was like a foot of snow, maybe, maybe a bit more, but it wasn't a lot. Um, but yeah. But when you say 85 to 100, that always confuses me because I'm so stuck in using like the metric system. So like 100 degrees is so for like the metric system, 100 degrees Celsius is when water would boil.
1: And oh, so, yes. Yeah. Um, and, it can feel like it sometimes. Yeah, definitely. But no. <laughs> Especially when I when I used to work in a kitchen, it got as hot as like 130 in there. One year oh, yeah. Definitely. In the summer when the AC broke.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's something I haven't had in forever because most people in Europe don't have AC. So you just open a window and just suffer. Uh. <laughs> if you're lucky, you can have like these. What are they called? I can't remember the name. I I, I think they're called like double pane windows. So they have they're insulated windows that can reflect a lot of the sunlight. So none of the heat comes in. So you get the light, but not the heat. And if you're lucky, you can afford those. But there's like no central AC.
1: So oh. Well, uh, that sounds awful, depending on the time of year. As I say, well, my house is currently running AC, but <laughs> I myself in the basement run a heater in my room with the vents closed. See, So maybe you, that doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> you, would, you would think
0: that it's actually a bad thing not to have AC. But up until recently, whether or not you believe in global warming or, or whatnot, but up until recently, a lot of the weather in Europe um, was actually very mild. So you would get these heat waves, but they would only last for maybe like two or three days. And like the highest it would get anywhere is maybe like 30 or sorry, that's in Celsius would probably like 70, 80 ish. And then it would kind of die down. And a lot of the buildings here um, would actually protect against that, you know, would protect against the heat. So my apartment, for example, doesn't get super hot in the summer. Um, it doesn't really get super cold in the winter either, but yeah. AC is also nice, (laughs) so I'm not not denying it. But so we don't want to talk about the weather the whole time, even though that's a universal topic. So what do we want to talk about today?
1: So we want to uh, take everyone through a journey on the cultural perception and uh, the problematic perception video games have had as an emerging art form in the U.S. throughout the last... I'd say three decades. Yeah. So
0: I don't remember when the first video game was. I don't know if you've if you did your research on that.
1: Well, there's conflicting opinions. Some people say it's Pong in the '70s. Some people say I, there was a there was a game made from old radar equipment. I believe in the '50s. Yeah, I was going to. Some say attribute that. to be the first game.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that, but I think that's kind of cheating a little bit because that's n- technically it. You have a video, and you have a game, so we'll call it a video game. But yes. I don't know if I would really consider that to be a true video game, um, in my personal opinion. But like you said, there are some conflicting well, opinions on that. Every
1: art form has to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. If, if we start, if we start getting into that, then. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to get to the point where, well, these cave paintings—they're not really art, you know. This is like the precursor to actual drawing. Well, it—it it's the start. Everywhere has to have a start.
0: That's true. That's true. By the way, did you know that Nintendo, like, it's a super old company? So yes, they they used to deal in playing cards. Yeah. So not a lot of people know that. So Nintendo's been around since 1885, I think, and. They used to sell, um, I can't remember the Japanese name, even though I should know this, but they're basically like cards with pictures of flowers on them, and it's some kind of like traditional Japanese uh, game. Oh, see,
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they tried to do like, I think they did like these like love hotel kind of things. They opened like hotels in like the 30s and 40s, and that didn't work out (laughs) and then and then like the the like you said with like the 50s and pong then they started getting into like video games and uh yeah now we got into the rest is history pretty much
1: (laughs) (laughs) well uh in the u.s uh, the real beginning of um video games being demonized i would say aside from just oh what are you doing wasting your time with that? Why aren't you reading a book? Why aren't you going outside? Mm. Taking it a bit farther was probably the very was Mortal Kombat really. There were other games like it, but
0: wait, wait, it, do you do you mean like Mortal Kombat like was too violent? Oh yes. Oh, okay. Oh yes.
1: So so one thing you have to understand uh about the early 90s and In late 80s, just arcade culture in general Mm. is think about a large arcade think about maybe there's 50 cabinets in there all have unique art on the side of them all are making all sorts of noises, all have demos playing on the screen or people around them you, your job as a designer you need to make a game that will stand out and say hey, ignore all that other trash you want to come over here Mm. So Mortal Kombat decided we're going to be the most extreme. We're going to have crazy art on the sides. We're going to have real actors. We're going to digitize real actors doing real motions. And we're going to put that into the game. You're going to be playing you know, real, realistic, very pixelated, but realistic (laughs) characters. And we are going to shove a lot of blood on the screen. This is going to stand out. This isn't going to be you know cartoony like street fighter where you hit someone and they you know flinch for a second and then they're fine we want something nuts we want you to rip someone's spine out we want it to be a secret uh which is something they played up the the fatalities weren't just on the on the on the cabinet you had to figure those out and it created a big culture around it like oh you know timmy over there he knows how to do sub zero's fatality too hmm Oh man, we need to go talk to him. Or let's go watch him. Let's see what he's what he's doing. So you're getting a lot of people around the cabinet. So they really accomplished their job. They did it well. And think, they did their job a little too well. Because <laughs> really, it caught why? the attention of parents and the government.
0: Oh uh, see, I didn't know that. So the arcade era, that was I would say that was before our time because the arcade had its I would say its heyday in the 80s, as you mentioned. And so we're both from the '90s, and so by then, you have like home consoles. You have the Super Nintendo, the Sega, and whatnot. I yes. mean, at just- that
1: point, arcade culture was on the downslide. Yeah, uh, it was still there, and of course, in you know larger cities and uh, especially in Japan, arcades are doing fine. Uh, not so much in the average American town, anymore Ye- at all. Yeah, arcades are making a comeback though,
0: but that's more of like, I would say like a revival of people trying to relive a, relive a culture they never had. So like I said, I don't have like the memories of, you know, spending like $5 and quarters at a video, at a, like an arcade, but there are like some bar themed like arcade or like arcades, uh, like bars that are in like arcades basically for adults. So those, those are pretty popular now.
1: Yes, like Dave and Buster's. And even then, with yeah. these big money franchises, they're not as great as we would like them to be in the States. I no. remember going to Denver and going to one for my first time, and they had mm. a, a Guitar Hero cabinet, and I love Guitar Hero. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I rolled up. I'm like, oh, the upstrum on this just doesn't work. At this very nice, expensive, you know, relatively expensive place with very pricey drinks and expensive food and Bright lights mm. and fancy cabinets everywhere. They they're not even properly taking care of. Their stuff here, marking it is not you know out of out of order when things aren't working. So arcade culture here, even at its best, is not always amazing.
0: Guitar Hero, that was a good game. So now we've kind of made a jump of love about like twenty years because yes. I've
1: created... so <laughs> I need I need to I need to reel this back for a second. Yeah, so, Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Parents are angry. The government's. Congress is having hearings about it. So the game industry panics and says, okay, we're about to get regulated. That's bad. Hey, wh- what if we just regulate ourselves? Uh huh. So they come up with the ESRB, which I can't remember <laughs> exactly what that stands for at the moment. But the ESRB RB basically assign a rating to games. Uh, back in the day at its founding the simple ratings were e for everyone which is basically if you're older than three you can play this game t for teen if you're a teenager you can play this game m for mature if you're 17 or older you can play this game i can't remember when the ao rating the adults only rating came about mm. but that is so unbelievably uncommon to see that it it basically doesn't matter and years later they uh, i believe it's 2005 they came out with the e10 rating which is you know a little bit more a little bit more violent i suppose but not nothing bloody just something like a reasonable 10 year old could you know you could reasonably put a 10 year old in front of and not feel like a terrible person ah so i I, I remember (laughs) having shadow the hedgehog the game and it was the first e10 game i'd ever seen and ever played and i was like there there is a so he because they have the new e10 rating they're like Mm -hmm. oh we can make him say damn (laughs) so we're gonna have shadow the hedgehog say damn all the time shadow the hedgehog
0: okay i haven't i was like isn't that sonic but yeah you're right it is i just looked it is shadow the Hedgehog. oh yeah
1: it's 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 sonic's edgy rival
0: Oh really? Oh how original. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But
0: yeah, so I double checked to see what, what ESRB means. And it means entertainment software reading board. Yes. Is uh is the the name of it. Yeah, I remember that. So you know if you couldn't buy like wait, M was yeah, so if you're 17, you could buy anything above M. Yes. But yeah, otherwise you had to have like your parents' permission to get that or they don't have to buy it for you. Well,
1: yeah, they basically... So I, I, I'm i remembering this ridiculous story. I remember when mm-hmm. I was in high school, I was probably 15 or 16. And this was back when you could buy... You could go to GameStop and buy DLC codes for specific games. So I wanted a map pack for Call of Duty Black Ops. So instead of just buying the points to do it because you had to buy points back then mm-hmm. with real money and they just do real money now, thankfully, but you could just buy directly a code for the DLC at a physical store. And I was like, Oh, will you please take me and do this? And they still carded my grandma. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Game stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So those, for those who don't know, like to get carded means you have to share like your ID um like if you buy alcohol for example you have to show your identification so 21 and yes, yes. no if you're under 21 well if you're under 21 you can't buy it anyway but if you look like you're under 21 then you have to show it if
1: <clears> you <throat> look like you're under 40
0: i believe oh is, the is guideline. it yeah that's right that's right if you look like you're under 40 yeah what does that even look like though i mean
1: there's some people who, who really take
0: care of themselves you know they don't yeah. age a day
1: <laughs> well small tangent uh the u.s is very strict about such things and the penalties are massive mm-hmm. so nobody nobody chances it yeah Strongs, better... you might not get carded but uh n- most people aren't risking that
0: better safe than sorry definitely yes um yeah so so talking about like violence in video games um that was definitely a huge point in the 90s so in the 90s we had um, un- like unfortunately one of the most infamous school shootings which was in Columbine Colorado mm-hmm. and that kind of kicked off the debate of whether or not video games are too violent now video games weren't like the only like you know scapegoat we also had like music and movies you know but a lot of people thought about video games because the shooters were really into doom and I've never actually played doom but it's supposed to be extremely violent for at least back in the day, it was very violent.
1: Yes, uh, definitely was. Well, here's something you also have to think of. I believe Doom came out in 93 or 94, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Maybe 95, maybe. The mm. shooting happened in 99, and the leap in gaming technology that happened in those uh, few years is monumental. Like, it's not even in the same realm. Uh, That's true. So, Oh, when it when if when doom first came out a lot of people were like this is crazy realistic this is like simulation <laughs> levels and thinking that even 5 years later would be laughable considering what started ha- coming out but yeah d-
0: definitely yeah
1: one of the shooters whose name we will not mention mm-hmm. was a he was a big doom fan he made wads which if you don't know uh, doom was built from the ground up to be very, very, very friendly to fan-created content. And it has a specialized file system called a W .point .wad or a wad. Mm-hmm. And anybody can make them. And they're not that hard to make at all. So even to this day, the original Doom has a thriving fan-made or fan-created content community. People are doing insane stuff with that game. And one of the shooters, uh, was one of these people, he made a bunch of stuff. I believe he had some, what infamously had quoted something from the Doom novel. One of the most infamous things, and I think this is what really caught people's attention is he had supposedly mapped out his school in a Doom map. So Hmm. many people were like, well, he just used this game as a simulation Mm. to plan his shooting. Which, if you know anything about how Doom works, uh, would not be that helpful beyond visualizing it. But he goes to that school, so he could <laughs> visualize it every day he went to school.
0: That's, that, like, when you told me that, because we were talking about that last week off off air, that, that idea is, like, super scary, though. Like, the amount, you know, of, like, I don't want to say dedication, but the fact that you would go to the, the, that amount of lengths to you know, create a map of your school. I mean, nowadays, I don't think that's that difficult, but, you know, still.
1: Even then, it w- wasn't that difficult. Yeah. One thing you should understand about Doom, Doom is not a 3D game. Doom is a 2D game that draws you a picture to, into tricking you. It's a 3D game. So ah, okay. a lot of the what goes into creating a Doom map is not that complicated. Mm. The software behind it is beyond genius level, beyond revolutionary. It's incredible. I could praise John Carmack for a couple hours here, so I'm I'm going to try to avoid that. <laughs> the man is an absolute genius. Uh, look, look, look him up. Yeah, but a lot of the creation tools they made were very were very user friendly, and anyone who really knew how to use them, th- this would not have been that difficult. And so, you know, what, what's the difference? Why does it make it scarier that someone built that map? in doom in 1999 versus someone like people who make giant one-to-one recreations of cathedrals and minecraft what's the mm. difference
0: mm, that's true yeah i'll give it to you there i guess the i guess video games have always have always gotten like a bad rap because of that because of you know like how much violence is slowly being introduced to in video games but i think it's a bit unfair because if you analyze any form of entertainment there's always been like a lot of violence there's a lot of violence in books there's a lot of violence in movies there's a lot of violence in music and people like to focus in on video games as if like they're an outlier as if um there's no violence in these other areas you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so i think it's kind of like uh very interesting um in that same era people were also like attacking marilyn manson um saying that, you know, his, uh, his music inspired them. And there's a famous quote uh, by him in the movie Bowling for Columbine, because this was a documentary about the school shooting. And the director, what was his name? Michael Moore, I believe. Uh,
1: that is a director's name who would yeah. do something like that. I'm not familiar with it, so he, I couldn't tell you.
0: Yeah, and he asked Marilyn Manson, like, if you could say something to the shooters, what would you say? And he said, point blank, uh, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just listened. So, and this is probably like a topic for another day. But the common theme with these shootings is these people were bullied. So they were kind of lashing out. Um, But that's not necessarily true. But yeah, so there's like a lot of violence in video games. But I don't think that's necessarily true in the sense that it makes people violent. So if we, if we go to left off to one of your favorite video games, which is Call of Duty. Um... Oh,
1: it's, it's not, I promise.
0: <laughs> it's not? Oh, I thought it was.
1: No, no. <laughs> I, I played it in high
0: school, but I'm, I'm past that now. Oh, or was it another one? Because we touched on that last week. I thought it was Call of Duty.
1: Uh, well, I'm a huge fan of the new Doom. I mean, I'm a fan of all the Doom games, but I'm a huge okay. fan of the new Doom games, which are
0: very graphic. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of these, so people, so there's, you've probably heard this too, that these games like train people because, you know, they show you how to like operate guns and like train your coordination and whatnot. That was a very popular argument in like the 90s, early 2000s. I think it's kind of dropped off though. I don't know if anyone actually says that anymore, but that okay.
1: was... here's what I will say about that. Go on. I have some, you know, mm-hmm. I've played a lot of video games. Yeah. I've used a good amount of firearms and I've shot competitively some. Oh, wow. So when I started learning to shoot competitively, um, I did trap shooting, which is a shotgun uh, based sport where uh, you basically go to different stations. You say pull a clay pigeon, which is a round clay disk We'll shoot out of a launcher and you shoot it, you hit it, you get a point, you miss it. You don't. Hmm. Not a very complicated sport. Yeah. Um, I took to it pretty well. And that was basically my first real experience with firearms beyond like, you know, basically like we're going to, I remember I'd, I went to a camp one time and they had some rifles set up like, all right, you're going to everyone line up. You're all going to come up and shoot once. And then you're going to leave and hmm. rest. Yeah. So this is my first, and you know what? My hand coordinate, my hand, eye coordination. I won't lie. I a hundred percent improved by oh, playing wow. video games. I had an understanding of like, okay, well, this is, how guns work. Like, I understand the mechanics and vaguely it I won't say it wasn't helpful, but it t- it didn't make me a seal. <laughs> I, I wasn't about to go infiltrate, you know, some military facility and you know, one man army stealth my way <laughs> through it, taking out everyone, make it to the general's office and interrogate him and then shoot him in the head. Like no.
0: Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that about you. No, ne- yeah. I've never held a gun in my entire life. I've never even so much as seen one in real life. Beyond like you know, at like the airport with like because at the airport at least here um, they have like a lot of soldiers with like machine guns, um, right. or like a cop. But beyond those two things, no, I've or like Walmart. But beyond those things, I've never actually like held a gun, so I wouldn't know how to operate one. But that's not something I think is a is a
1: bad thing. The tricky thing about the violence discussion in relation to video games versus other forms of media is yeah that's... video games are an active form of media you can't just sit down veg out and do it like you can watch arnold hmm. schwarzenegger mow down an entire compound and commando you have to make the decision to do everything that happens for the most part so in a way, some people are like, oh, this is training the next generation of serial killers and school shooters and murderers and all sorts of terrible people. But in reality, it's one of those things. If something like that was going to drive someone to do something, abhorrent, mm. they were already messed up in the head and eventually something was going to convince them to do that. And for a lot of other people, it's a good form of stress relief there have been you know studies that show oh you know this person kind of has you know a lot of stress they can go and play these uh cathartic violent video games and Mm. i don't want to say get it out of their system like they actually want to go and rip someone's head off but you know it's it, it can be good stress relief and nobody's getting hurt and
0: i think i think everyone has uh like fantasies that they don't want to actually experience in real life, but they want to have a way to experience them. And I don't want to say like in a safe space, but in a, in a, in a way that no one's going to get hurt, you know?
1: Yes. And
0: and in that way, if you have like a lot of rage in you and video games is the way that you can, you know, get some of that off your chest without actually hurting someone like on a side note, um, these things have become more and more popular. There are these, I don't know exactly what the name is, but there are these places where you can go and like just destroy stuff. You know, I, you can, I believe those
1: are called rage rooms.
0: Yeah, thank you. There you go. Yeah. So you, you just have like a lot of rage and you want to get it off your chest. Now, I don't know if that's actually very healthy because you're equating releasing your anger with destroying something, in my opinion. So, I mean, granted, you're doing it in a place where no one gets hurt. You, you can just do it. You can do it in a safe area. But still, this connection is, if I'm angry, I have to destroy something. You know what I mean? So, I don't know if that's the healthiest way to look at it. But with video games, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, yeah,
1: and you know what? I think that's going to be a person-by-person basis. True, true. Some people, that's probably very healthy. Other people, it's likely this could set a bad precedent for them. A bad, um, oh, their brain is like, I connect violence with stress relief. Physical he- actual violence with stress relief that's a bad sign
0: yeah yeah but if
1: someone can mentally separate them Mm. um for for example like when i used to shoot a lot on the weekend um sometimes we would take things out like oh hey i got this old laptop we're gonna you know let's 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 destroy it it'll be fun it'll be (laughs) great that doesn't mean i'm gonna like take my ar out and like "Oh, oh i'm gonna go shoot up my computer at home it'll be great
0: you know yeah that's I, I am mentally healthy enough to disassociate the two I mean definitely definitely I would never equate the two but I think everyone is in a different mental state so you have to take it on a person by person basis which kind of touches on another topic which is what you kind of said with mental health that people some people think that like people who people who are mentally unstable will go out and commit violence and and like video games, like help them do that. Um, I, th- I don't think video games make people any more violent than anything else. Because, th- like you said, there's violent music, there's violent movies, there are violent books. I think if someone is committed to committing violence, it doesn't really matter what the medium is.
1: Right. They'll, they'll find a way.
0: Yeah. Like, for example, um, a famous example is a Taxi Driver, the movie. And the guy who saw that, he was like basically in love with Jodie Foster. Like he was like just obsessed with her. And Jodie Foster was what, 14 at the time? And he watched this movie over and over and over and over again. It took, to, to the point where he thought he was like the character. And then the guy goes out and tries to kill the president to impress Jodie Foster. <laughs> so. Uh, so ronald reagan by the way he was trying to shoot he, that's how ronald reagan was almost assassinated in the 80s so i think any f- so if you're willing to commit violence i don't think the medium matters all yes that much.
1: something will set you off exactly yeah so something will set you off and, and um, it's sad but it, it it is just the way it is definitely
0: people and are just
1: a lot of times people like that are obsessives by nature yeah. If if they weren't gonna get obsessed with that, they would have been obsessed with something else. It might not have ended with him trying to assassinate Ronald Reagan, but it might yeah. have. It might have ended up with something less violent. But the truth of the matter is, someone of that nature, they were gonna find something and obsess over, and probably do something unhealthy about it.
0: Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, so John Hinckley, that's his name. There, I had to look it up because it was killing me. Yeah. So he was obsessed with Jodie Foster, and. Um, he really wanted to impress her and that's why he went off and shot Reagan but that's a totally different topic yeah. um so yeah.
1: unless you have anything else No I was going I was going go to ask you so
0: I think we've touched a lot on violence I was wondering if you yes. had another topic well, you wanted I to Well I wanted put to on.
1: move up the timeline a little bit.
0: Yeah yeah sure shoot.
1: Okay. <laughs> so let's let's uh, and I can't believe it it uh, it took me so long to think of this before we got on air. So let's jump to the PS2 era 1999-2005 ballpark. Yeah. The big controversy of that era, as far as we can remember, was Grand Theft Auto. Mm. Of course, Grand Theft Auto existed before that, but it at, when it made its way to a proper 3D game where it was at the time fairly realistic, you could run around, steal people's cars, cause all sorts of havoc, just indiscriminately murder people. And I mean, the police will come after you, but you could basically get away with it by running away for 45 seconds. <laughs> Uh one of the big, big controversies with Grand Theft Auto was, oh, you can hire a prostitute, mm. murder her, and get your money back. And that was considered, it. like, you know, <laughs> for a lot of people on news, I was like, wow, this game is endorsing prostitutes and murder the murder of prostitutes. What-, what could be more evil?
0: Yeah, so I didn't get into Grand Theft Auto until it came to the PS2. If you look at, like, the first two Grand Theft Auto games, they're very, in my opinion, very unimpressive. Um, so the the PS2 version was really the version that, really, in my opinion, put Rockstar on the map and yes. kind of made it, like, a household name. And honestly, I didn't actually know there was a plot to the game. I just thought you just just run around and shoot people. I didn't really understand the point. Um, and that set off, like, a lot of parents. Like, I mean the game is like pure vice like it's just like committing every single sin possible you know like murder lust prostitution um <laughs> I mean you name it you can do anything in the game
1: yeah well the idea behind those kind of games is they're, they're called sandbox games for a reason if you're sitting in a sandbox you can do anything in the sand if, oh. if you want to sit there and do nothing you can if you want to oh. build a sand castle you can if you want to you know, throw all the sand out of the sandbox, you can just like in Grand Theft Auto, you can kill people and go to strip clubs and buy prostitutes. You can also buy a car and follow the traffic laws. Huh? Both of those are equally something you could do. I mean, the the plot won't necessarily allow you to follow the traffic laws if you're playing the story, but
0: yeah, I don't is you can do anything. See, I didn't know that there was such a thing as Sandbox. Like, I didn't know that there was a name for that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in retrospect, I think the game was just terrible. Like, it didn't really... It doesn't really offer anything back to the player other than... it. I guess it basically trains you to be, like, the worst person you can within this, like, kind of scenario. Um, it actively encourages you to commit these these acts because you can progress in the video game if you do it. You know, the more immoral you are, the better you are in the game,
1: basically. Well, I, I won't pretend I'm super knowledgeable about the plots of the... I'm not generation either. ...generation <laughs> of Grand Theft Auto, but it usually follows uh, someone who is, you know, at the bottom of a world of crime or sometimes a newcomer to the city, and they're, you know, just trying to work their way up and just mm. find stability. And it, it just so happens that... Uh, you know, a life of crime is the most direct path to that for them. And a, a lot, the Grand Theft Auto games do usually have a good bit of political and social commentary in them. It's not just mindless, um, mindless violence. I remember, so in Grand Theft Auto Five, there is a mission mm. where you are, and there's three playable characters in that game. One of them is like absolutely evil and unhinged. And for this part of the mission, you are required to, as him, uh, torture someone who you basically know is innocent and doesn't know anything. Mm. But you have to do it. And it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. And it's not supposed to be. You could easily call that a, a commentary on, you know, the ethics of torture. Like, wow, this is awful, this is deplorable, this is not something reasonable people would want anything a part of.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Honestly, that's that's pretty disturbing.
1: Um, And it is. But again, it's supposed to be. There are lots of times video games make you do things that are not fun, and they are not supposed to be fun.
0: Yeah. I, I, I that's that's really disturbing honestly oh
1: i, I can't believe i forgot this yeah so let, let's ahead. jump let's jump ahead to the next generation mm-hmm. um modern warfare 2 okay had a, I, I don't know if you've heard about this. this is a beyond infamous scene and it was so infamous um i can't remember if they patched it in or if it just came like this but you could skip this mission if you wanted to mm-hmm. there was a mission early on in the game where your character had basically infiltrated a group of Russian terrorists and you're a double agent and you need to, you know, earn their trust and you need to work with them. Cause you know, I, I believe the plot was they had a nuke or something like that. So you had to be good with them because you had to figure out what, what's going on and, you know, any price to pay is worth it. So there's a mission where you basically go into a Russian airport and you have to just murder a bunch of civilians. Oh, wow. And then after that, the security shows up, you murder a bunch of the security. And then at the very end, they betray you and kill you because they knew you were a double agent. And it's basically, (laughs) oh, some American agent murdered a bunch of people in Russia and it's a big international incident. But, you know, that scene is awful. Not fun to play, but again, not supposed to be. But there's there's a nuance there that. You know, I think most reasonable people understand. Maybe children don't necessarily understand it, but most reasonable people understand it. And this is an M17 game. Children are not supposed to be playing this game, even though most of the people who were playing it were. Hmm. But you, you get that when you're in the moment. But then, you know, out on paper, out of context, you put that on news, you know, you put it in articles. It sounds awful. It sounds totally unreasonable. Why would you Why would you put that in the game? This is evil. We're evil people for doing this. Anyone who enjoys this or likes this game at all is a terrible person.
0: That's crazy. That, that really, I've never played Modern Warfare though, at all. Um, I kind of stopped that, with video games after I got out of high school, uh, <laughs> but not necessarily a bad idea. Well, I mean, that kind of leads into like another point, which is people think that it's like video games are like a waste of time. You know, you have people who are addicted to video games. I
1: don't know how true that is, though. Yeah, Yes and no. Here's the thing. Yeah. They are very good at keeping your mind... You know, uh, video, video games basically comes down to problem solving. It's mm-hmm. nonstop problem solving and Twitch reflexes, depending on the game, and some dexterity. So it'll keep your hand-eye coordination fairly, fairly sharp and... It definitely keeps your mind somewhat sharp, I mean, depending on what you're playing, but for example, the the, the newest Doom game, Doom Eternal, yeah. if you play that game on a high level, you have so many variables you need to be thinking about at like, all times, and prioritization, and resource management, and there, there's a lot going on when you're like in that game and you're like on the highest difficulty and you're like really plugged in, it's, it's a rush, but it's like, it doesn't feel like a gratuitous violence rush. It feels Mm. like I have all these things coming at me at once and I need to like, you know, I need to meet them or I'm, I need to solve these problems as quickly as possible or I will fail. It's a great feeling. It's like, machine gunning a bunch of math problems or something like that it's it feels good for the brain
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's so i like so you said gratuitous violence that i think that pretty much sums up what we've been saying for the past couple like 20 minutes which is a lot of these video games include violence for the sake of violence it doesn't really advance the plot at all in my opinion especially with like grand theft well
1: sometimes it does okay Mm-hmm. So at, at the risk of diving a little bit too deeply into this, yeah, it can be a reward in some circumstances. For example, the largest amount of violence you can do in one of the new Doom games is mm-hmm. called, and this is kind of a gratuitous name, is called a glory kill, which is basically you've damaged an enemy enough. They're, they're not dead, but they're on the verge of death. You can go up and basically brutally rip them apart with your hands in all manner of creative and highly detailed ways. Mm. And you'll get some health back. So it's a Mm. mechanical award, reward. And also it's, it tells the story. So without diving too deeply into the lore of Doom, the protagonist of Doom hates demons a lot to like a PTSD amount of hate against demons when he murders a demon with his bare hands, it's not utilitarian, it's not mechanical, it's not surgical. It is, I, there's there's a glory kill where he'll like from behind rip up, rip their spine out and there, there's hundreds. And you can see his rage in it and it tells the story. It is <clears> informative <throat> to what is happening.
0: Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. No. Yeah, so... I mean, there are, like, a lot of violent video games. A lot of sex, too.
1: And, and, you know, some of it is dumb.
0: Yeah, Some of of the times, (laughs) there's a
1: story in a game where the protagonist is a totally reasonable guy in a crazy situation, and then for some reason, he does something way out of character and violent and seems to enjoy it. Like, that's that's just lazy. It's Hmm. not always as highbrow, the risk of calling Doom highbrow, as as that is. I would say... I, I don't know. So in, in many ways, Doom the older Doom games are like the pinnacle of lowbrow in what they do. And the newer Doom games are about as good as something that seems lowbrow, but it's actually very highbrow. <laughs> so some, some people might think yeah. that's a little silly. But I think there's <laughs> I think there's people knew what they were doing. Masters of their craft were at work.
0: Yeah. So another game from so one game I used to play a lot when I was a teenager. So there's a game called Playboy Mansion. And obviously you can like kind of tell what it's about. So basically, you know, you're you're like the leader of the Playboy Mansion and it's basically like Sims, but you're a Playboy. And it was just pretty much, you know, like taking pictures of like pretty women and like trying to sell like the best magazine you can and earn a lot of money and have like these like these fancy parties and whatnot. So it's basically Sims, but you know, you're a Playboy.
1: Yes. And that's it- that's un- <laughs> and it was so <laughs> that was an obvious yeah
0: yeah it was such a stupid game but you know when you're like and that's why it was it was M because it was just basically sex and there's really no point to the game um, but it was super popular um, you know
1: it has a right to exist yeah, you know in the, in the same way pornography has a right to exist and it in its in its own way is an art form you know not everything needs to be the filet mignon of its art form All there's right, room sorry. for lowbrow. everything
0: yeah i think it becomes a that's true that's true i think it becomes a problem when it defines the medium or when it defines the genre so like to like um like for example like rap music that's my biggest problem is as an art form i love rap i think it's really good but it has a huge problem in that a lot of the songs being produced revolve around a lot of these things which is like sex violence drugs uh, the denigration of women yes And, and so when you think of rap music that's what you automatically think of you don't think of like you know like the cultural history behind it you don't think of like you know the skills you need to be a rapper it's it's all these negative things so as long as it doesn't define the genre i don't see a problem with like call of duty or modern warfare or grand theft auto um more of like to each his own.
1: Right. And it's the, which is part of the problem with the media perception. Mm. You know, there's tons of innocent games like Banjo Kazooie, where you're, you play a bear oh. with a bird in his backpack running around collecting things to save his sister from an evil witch. I love that you game. Know, it's, that, it's amazing. And it's, it's, it's you know, game. you should about, play
0: Everyone listening should play it. It's a, yes, gra- it's, it's just it's like great. Crash.
1: It's, it's a classic. It's a rare, it's a, not a rare. Yeah. It's a rare classic. It's um, also from
0: the company, rare. Is yeah, rareware. Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant. I, I didn't, I <laughs> okay. uh, didn't articulate that very well. But you know, it's about as innocent as a story can be. You know, villain kidnapped your sister. Go save your sister through, you know, cartoonish violence, but very cartoonish. Yeah,
0: that's pretty much. But Mario. that's not
1: gonna. That's not <laughs> gonna get on. You know, the Friday night news. It's just not. It's not interesting. It's not. It's just a well-made innocent game, and it's not shocking, so it's not getting attention. And Beyond, that, of course, it's a classic among people in the know. That's true. But that's, it's not going to get broadcast to people who aren't in the know.
0: That is pretty much Nintendo... So, Ninten- so Banjo-Kazooie was on the 64, which is for Nintendo. By the way, uh, I don't know if you actually know what the 64 stands for. Do you know that? 64 bits. See? And I found that out like a week or two ago. <laughs> that's what the 64 is for.
1: Yep. that was Because back in the day, bits... It, it ended in that generation, but
0: yeah, they cause... called
1: them the Bit Wars, and oh, this console could do eight bit. Well, my console could do sixteen. Oh, well, get out of the way. We got a thirty-two over here, and it was you know <laughs> it now ended. it's now it's nothing. But
0: yeah, that was uh, as like what what is the word bit? What is the word sixty-four for? But I guess like one point, and then I'll let you kind of in the episode is. That's pretty much like Nintendo's business model is to be the most friendly of a family-friendly company out there. And anytime they offer these games that aren't family friendly, they get like a lot of pushback. So they did like offer Grand Theft Auto on the DS, for example, and a couple other games that were pretty violent, but I can't think of the names. And they got like a lot of criticism. So it's very hard to find like these games on like Nintendo consoles. And so there's no, there, a lot of there
1: are, there are adult games on the Switch, like there there are pornographic games.
0: There are, but they're like few and far between. So there's um so there's the sentiment of if you want to be like a real gamer, then you have to go to like uh like Sony or Microsoft because you have like a lot more freedom there. And so a lot of these games that are truly violent or truly sexual in nature um will find their place in that corner as opposed to like in Nintendo.
1: Well, and these days it's mostly PC. Um, yeah, this has but- been a thing. Steam has been changing lately. They've made changes to their adult games policy. So, they Steam has a system called the Discovery Queue, where basically, hey, based on what you own and what you've looked at, I'm, mm-hmm. we're gonna throw ten games at you, see if you like them. Oh, wow. And sometimes I'm looking through, like, oh no, I don't want that. I'm like, oh, you're trying to sell me a <laughs> a pornographic game? Okay, that's that's all right. <laughs> and it always blindsides me because it's funny because sometimes Steam is like, oh, this game is rated M for Mature. Would you like to see this? I'm like, and I click yes. and I'm like, okay, this is nothing. This is just a whatever game. Sometimes it doesn't warrant me. in straight up pornography, which I think is very funny. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do have one more thing I would like to hit before we call it. Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. Go ahead.
1: So this is something that kind of gets media attention mm, more than just video games, but it gets a lot of, I suppose, gamer attention. Mm -hmm. So, And this has been something that's been debated A lot um, lately Not even debated, just people have Complained about it and other people are calling them fools The the idea of Shoving political ideologies And messages in video games Mm. Ignoring the fact You know, series Like Metal Gear Which are all about uh, Political intrigue And international control Conspiracies and Spying and governments and that's not political at all of course not but oh no the protagonist of this game isn't straight how political uh... or like what what do you think wh- what do you think all these military shooters are what do you think um basically every game ever has been some form of political even i, I remember I can't remember the exact name of the game, but there was a Tom Clancy-related game that came out a few years ago. It's one of the looter shooter games. I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it. But one of the opening lines for it, and I believe it centers around Washington, DC, and a societal collapse had happened. And in the opening monologue of the game was wow, when that happened, you know, there were two groups of people. You know, there are the people who owned guns and the people who didn't. (laughs) What what were you going to do? And they had gone on record like, oh, no, this game isn't political at all. Like, we're not making any political statements. Like, what are you talking about? That is a highly political statement that takes place in the nation's capital. How is this not political? It just is. And that's fine. Good art is political, whether it means to be or not. It says something about society and how society should be run even fantasy games dark souls which has an incredibly complicated and convoluted story which you know so many people love they're like oh why can't you be like dark souls that game isn't political at all like it is highly political (laughs) it has classism it has all sorts of complicated issues but that that's just something i want to touch on there's a lot of yeah definitely people just need to understand (laughs) there's more to politics than just oh this person isn't a straight white man oh this person is is trans oh this person is whatever oh this game has a gay couple in it that's not like shoving that political message down your throat that is just these people exist and in fictional universes they also exist Mm. and it's more realistic I would argue to acknowledge that not everyone in a game is a straight white man. There can be different types of people.
0: Definitely, yeah. A politi- so I guess we'll end on that note. So politics comes in all shapes and sizes, but at the end of the day, whether we're talking about music, books, movies, video games, any of that, um, these are all created by people and whether they want to admit it or not, they inject their own desires, their own biases, their own yes. political opinions. Um, consciously or subconsciously into these games. So um, Everybody be... has a
1: perspective. Yeah, definitely. The way they perceive the world and if they're going to create some sort of medium for you to perceive a fictional world, they have yeah. nothing to base it on but their own perspective. Definitely. It's not possible to to eliminate it.
0: Yeah. We don't li- we don't live in a vacuum. No. But with that being said, so we're going to end here um thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode um as always uh, thanks a lot and we'll see you next time
1: have a wonderful week everyone
0: <laughs> bye
1: bye